this afternoon, I'm entitled the message, Vindictiveness. Vindictiveness. Power belongs to God. That word, vindictive, it, we're indicating a person uh, sometime or trying to pay back a, a one that has the level to score. Uh, it's not really being vindicated because, I, like I said, the, the, since I used it, vindictiveness, it's not a virtue. It's not a, a something that goes back to what should have been done because most of the time the vindictive person or the person that always tries to assume vindication usually there's a, a problem, a serious problem with that person. That person uh, might be psychological problems, have problems of defending themselves, have problems, all types of sins or problems could lie within that. And God was about to bring the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's vengeance upon Israel, and it wasn't going to be a good day for some. And the way Christianity, looking at some of Christianity today, uh, I think we have some vindicative saints. And if you're vindicative, that would be a work of the flesh, uh, a state of mind, a thought that's not like God because it would be one that abhors bitterness or revenge or one seeking its own justice uh, or one placing itself in the judgment as judging as God would judge. Uh, the people were full of sin and they know they had a problem. Isaiah the 59th chapter, the 14th verse, starting at the 12th verse, it says, for your sins keep piling up before the before the righteous God and testify against you. Yes, we know what sinners we are, they say. We know our disobedience and we have denied the Lord our God. We know what rebels we are and how unfair we are, for we carefully plan our lives. Our courts oppose the righteous man. Fairness is unknown. Truth falls dead in the streets and justice is outlawed. Yes, truth is gone and anyone who tries a better life is soon attacked. The Lord saw all the evil and was displeased to find no steps taken against sin. He saw no one was helping you and wondered that no one intervened. Therefore, he himself stepped in to save you through the mighty power and justice. He put on righteousness as armor and the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with robes of vengeance and godly fury. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. Fury for his foes in distant lands. Then at last they will reverence and glorify the name of God from the west to the east. For he will come in like a flood tide driven by Jehovah's breath. That's the living Bible. I didn't, because of page constraint here, I didn't put both the Amplified and the King James Version in it, but in your studies you might want to read both versions. You may extract a little bit more from it. But here he's saying that he was going to vindicate. In other words, when his justice come, sometime justice 
vindicate the one who had did right. It's uh, vengeance being taken by God. The word vengeance and vindicate is not the same, and it's not using the same sense there. But it's someone else. It's God taking vengeance because it's his place. In the Old Testament, we see a different usage of the people with that that were under the law. But by walking in faith and under the new covenant, those of us that believes in the salvation that's come to come, because he said he didn't see an intercessor. He didn't see anyone to intervene. So he, as the Messiah, would come and offer salvation and save his people. But notice him, it, it is that he robes himself with the armor of God. That's the same thing that we should do is robe ourselves and ask God to robe us with the armor of God, to put on Christ, to put him on. We doing as Christ, his arms and legs, and we his body, we, we present our body unto him as a living sacrifice. It's, but some things we do and don't do, that we should see that we can't be in the place of God. We shouldn't take the place of God. Power belongs to God. And when you sometimes show take vengeance and revenge, you're taking God's place and doing something. The days of vengeance is, up, vengeance is upon us. Psalm 110, 1-7, the whole psalm I recorded for you in the Amplified, I believe. It's a psalm of David, and it, it, it's about the Lord giving dominion to the king. We know God has given us dominion. He gave man dominion, and we are kings and priests. It says, The Lord, that is, God said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, that is, subjugating them in, into complete submission. And it seems as though by him sitting there in that position, that resting position, it's the Lord that's going to make the enemy his footstool because the battle is the Lord. So this is one that shows obedience, obedience to Christ, to his Lord. The Lord will send the scepter of your strength from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves willingly to participate in your battle in the day of your power and the splendor of holiness from the womb of the darn your young men are to you as due. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not change his mind. You are priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So as a royal priesthood, just as Melchizedek was a royal priesthood, we're to go forth, Christ has authorize us, his representatives, his ambassadors here on earth when he's given us of his spirits to be little lights, to be lights of God. We are armed, though, with the word of God. That's our rod and our sword. And we have to have an understanding from him, so we must submit ourselves to God and rule as kings and queens with him in a preparatory stance. In other words, this is preparations for something much, much greater. Yes. Our conversion and our time here, we are be, being prepared for a much greater mission. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings in the day of his wrath. Yes. 
He will execute judgment and overwhelming punishment among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will crush the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head triumphantly. Uh, we've so here in this psalm, it's showing that Christ's return, the awesome return of Christ, showing that it is one of war and vengeance with wrath. He is coming with power to set things straight. Now, this may sometimes disagree with the Pentecostals or whatever that subscribe to the dispensation theories and the rapture and all of these other things. But to some looking at the book of Isaiah, saying this is the day of the Lord's judgment of his vengeance, the day of the Lord's could be a day some people shouldn't welcome, even though a lot look for it. Some that are disillusioned shouldn't be looking for the day of the Lord because this could be a day of judgment. So we have two different groups of people. We look throughout, and I've been talking about two seeds in the earth. There's going to be some different actions help, help happening to some people. And it's accordingly how you have handled the Word of God. A lot of it after your conversion. In other words, the rule of reciprocity. A reciprocal effect goes into effect. Those of us who are understanding the word of God departs from evil or depart from wickedness because we know what a man soweth that he shall reap. Some of the things that happens to us after conversion will be like Paul. He did a lot, a lot of people suffered. And that's why when they, he sent Ananias to, to open Paul's eyes, he says, show him how many things he must suffer. I don't know if it was just during the time that before he was converted when he persecuted Christians or whatever, or was it some of the suffering analogous to his call? But we know Paul was going to suffer a great deal, and we know there's a lot of things that we've done in our lives that it may be coming back up on us for the deeds done in the body because we do know God's word says, we have to pay for the deeds done in our body. There's a lot of sin that's forgiven, a lot of things that's forgiven, but sometimes there's consequences in there. There's other things. That's why I say it's hard to judge people and be vindictive and have vengeance in your heart and be cold-hearted because there's no way you have all the facts on everything that God has so as you grow in the Lord, you start leaving everything to God. You become more Christ-like. Yes. You become less, uh, how can I say it, less contentious about, contentious about what's going on. Amos, the first chapter, the third through the 15th verse, if you would read those, I'm not going to read all of that, but it, it was the Gentile nations that took vengeance in retaliations for injustices that they believed other nations had committed against them. They took retaliations, and it's a lot of churches, a lot of people preach about just wars and what's going on in war, and just like right now what's going on in Ukraine and what's going on in Israel, some people attempt to justify those things. Uh, God promises to judge the barbarity, but he does not say when, so... 
whenever we don't know when God's judgment comes, but we know for God's justice and for God's righteousness to prevail, he has a time for all things. There's a time and season for all things. So how do we know when we carrying out a judgment on someone or, or trying to pay someone back that God doesn't already have that in the way he's going to handle that situation? But you take matters into your own hands to you because of your vindictiveness. You still hadn't been converted. You still hadn't died to self. Vindictiveness is a is a showing life in the body. It's a work of the flesh. Uh, many years may pass before he takes actions because God's overriding goal is repentance and a change in character. So sometimes he gives us a space to repent. Allows the actions that you've done sometime to work within your conscience or work certain ways before he comes in and bring in a judgment on it. But we do know since we've been converted and we believe his word, we do know every transgression is going to receive its just recompense of reward. And God decides how that reward is recompensed. Yes. That's it, how fully, that shows how fully we believe in God. He will ex- execute proper judgment, true justice, and it is our responsibility to have faith in, in that he will do, that he will do the fair and the right thing. Yes. And a lot of times we may have in our opinion, in our mind, that it should be de- did the way we want to see it done and when we want to see it done. Sometimes it's not that way. It doesn't happen that way. It was 50 years past before God avenged the depredating acts of Haziel. You remember Haziel that was the Syria, the king of Assyria, pulled against Gilead that was in uh, Amos 1 and 3, 2 Kings 10, 32 through 33. God waited for the right time and place to act. So as Abraham, he told Abraham that about his offspring and his his generation, I mean his people 400 years later inheriting the promised land, Canaan, but it wasn't time yet because the time of the Amorites wasn't ripe yet. In other words, God was still giving them a, a long time for judgment. Yes, yes. He was giving them a reprieve. In other words, it their cup hadn't been full, full up yet, just like with Nineveh, when Jonah went and preached to Nineveh, Nineveh repented, but that repentance didn't hold. And it was some a hundred and some years later that God sent by the prophet Nahum that he prophesied about Nineveh's destruction, and Nineveh was destroyed. Sometimes judgment takes a long time, but judgment is coming. We, we serve a just God. Now, when he says that... Uh, he knows I was sitting down and rising up according to Psalms 139 and 2. He is not speaking metaphorically. He knows everything you do. It's different from Santa Claus. You know, people say Santa Claus knows when you're good or bad. He knows what you're doing and all these things. No, God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. So everywhere, anything that happens we should take God as seeing all things, and God knows all things. Other than that, though, God knows why you did what you did. Yes. 
is as Joseph told his brothers when they was, they might have wanted to take the credit for selling him and him getting to Egypt. But he said, no, y'all did it for evil. God used that same thing for good. Yep. So that's what we, we, we can't uh, make judgments. And that's why Joseph wouldn't take revenge because of that. They still was of, of a vindictive nature because they thought Joseph was going pay them back for what they did him. So if you remember I said there's something wrong with your conscience, your insecurity, when you accusing others of things that you would do, they may would have paid somebody back from that, but that was a root of bitterness that hadn't gone from them. But Joseph said he's in the place of God. So if we all want to be in the place of God, we must learn to forgive and move on. Uh he is involved with his people, and we must learn that sometimes God may not take actions uh, to repay, but we know according to, we went over it last week, Deuteronomy 32 and 35 and Romans 12, 19, we'll go over 12, 19 again tonight, that vengeance belongs to God, he'll repay. If we can get that in our mind, vengeance belongs to God. We'll stop reviling when we vile. We'll stop giving peace of people out a peace of mind. We'll stop trying to even up or get back with someone. Exodus twenty three twenty two thirty says, "Behold, I'm sending an angel before you to keep and guard you on the way, and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Be on your guard before him. Listen to and obey his voice." Do not be rebellious toward him or provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, since my name, my authority is in him. But if you indeed will listen to him and truly obey his voice and do everything that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary. Yes. What happens though if you do the opposite? I think they did some of the opposite. The reason it took them so long and so many different things happened because they didn't listen at his instructions. Yes. How about us since we've been saved, since we know God's word? Are we being careful to be led by the spirit of God, listening to his instructions and obeying his word? If not, we are rebellious like them. And sometimes what happens to us happens for a reason or purpose. I was talking to someone uh, just today, and they were saying that if they'd have listened at someone else, maybe they wouldn't have had the health problems or health issues they had. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can go back and think if, if I only listen or whatever. Yes. Sometimes if people would have listened at, at their parents or they'd have listened at good advice or whatever, so the problem sometimes is that sometimes we get even with that other person or even the person we should have listened to, or we have such a, nation, a vindictive nature, we still paint that person in, in the box. I, I was talking to the guy I was talking with today uh, at the Washington He's the owner of the Washington or whatever. And he was getting all blown out of shape about the immigrants, and he paid taxes. And I said, but now you're attacking them, and you have to look at it. Do you know all sides of the equation? All of them are not coming over here getting money. All of them are not doing some of the things 
some of the politicians and the news and things you have have you all wound up. You stereotyping someone and putting off blame someone else. How about you? Isn't it your job to pay taxes? Isn't it your job to do the things that you are doing? Are you thankful to God for what he's doing for you? But here you are judging other people from what you've heard on the news. You don't have all the things. Some of the political people, they I told him, I said, well, you know, during the Obama administration, they were tough on immigration and they uh, deported more immigrants during his administration. And they were better on the border than anyone else in previous years before or after him. But we're not reading statistics. We're not. We, we're given that what we hear on somebody says some red meat or something that disturb us and we don't have all facts and evidence. And that's why God tells us not to judge because we may not have all facts and evidence. Some of those people that he's saying are fleeing may be fleeing because of religion. I mean, political persecution. It may be their life on the line. You mean, the guy that descended against Putin for years, he died this weekend in prison. However, a lot of people in the president are up in an uproar because they know he caused his death. And for years, he'd been poisoning him and doing different things to him. But when we have vindictive nature or we judge or see a situation, sometimes we just have to leave it alone and not say something and let God do it. You remember the prudent sometimes to be prudent about some things, you may not say some things and enter into judgment at times. It says, now when my angel go before, goes before you and brings you to the land of the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, I will reject them and completely destroy them. You shall not bow down to worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do anything in accordance with their practices. You shall completely overthrow them and break down their sacred pillars and images of pagan worship. You shall serve the Lord your God only, and he shall bless your bread and water. I will also remove sickness from among you. No one shall suffer miscarriages or be barren in the land. I will fulfill the number of days, and I will send my terror ahead of you. And I will show, I will throw into confusion all the people among whom you come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you in flight. I will send hornets ahead of you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hivite before you. I will not drive them out before you in a single year. Uh, that the land does not become desolate due to a lack of attention and the wild animals of the field do not become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you have increased and are strong enough to take possession of the land. I've also written that in the living version. So God says he will cut them off. Just like in Isaiah here, he says he his arm took Move. It's a divine movement of God to remove the wicked out of the land. The one he tells us, fret not thyself because of evildoers. But we have to follow the instructions of the word of God. They were specifically put under prohibitions. It was conditional whether God was going to drive them out, whether God was going to keep them the way he said he was going to keep them and do the things he said he was going to do because some of the things, if they didn't hold up their end, right. 
justice would mean what they have sown, they have reaped. Uh, so what he says to one, he says to all, so not just snatching it out of his context, as he said that to his people, Israel, he says that to us today, to the church today. So there's a lot of enemies. Some of the people in the land today, the ones you call the immigrants that you are fighting against or whatever, some of the political people, some of the very people that I encourage you to do elsewhere, they have brought those immigrants in here as cheaper labor for years and years, but now it's become a problem. A lot of the presidential figures and a lot of the political figures, they have illegal immigrants working for them. It didn't become a problem to a great number of people came in and the floodgates was open. You opened the gate. So if you opened the gate, you didn't left the gate open. It's hard to close a gate once you open that gate up. I agree, just as Obama agreed, that we should have, if we have laws, we should stick to but that's a humane way to carry out those laws. That's a way, a, a way of God that's a lawful way and a legal way that yes. we don't become as the Gentiles that dealt as barbarians with the people before them. God is the God of all people. And just like these was Gentiles, uh, uh, Abraham said, ungod-fearing people, but he was of a, person or soul of God enough, both kings that Abraham lied to, God would was on a conversation basis with them to whereas God came into them in a dream and they didn't dispute that it was God. Yeah. He says, your God told me last night that that's your wife. You get her and leave. So that was civility among them. He thought that they wasn't civil, that they would kill him for his wife. But it turns out that he was a liar and a deceiver. We don't do evil that good may come of it. So make sure that you're not throwing a brick hiding your hand or whatever, because if God's a God of justice, he has to also punish you for the evil you've done. How many shows or movies you see where the bad guy does things or whatever, but then when he gets caught and things fit to happen, and then he says, well, this ain't right. You do it. Oh, now you want to go about what's right and what's legal. You see, a lot of situations we go about and we acquire things, and now God comes back and says, okay, now you have to give account for the things you acquired. Did did you, you talk about stealing and the people that's coming over a porous border, you're talking about justice. But what about on your taxes here where you cheat and steal? Yes. What about here where you rob God at? Theft is theft. That's, That's why he told the Pharisees that they tied mint and dill, but they forget about the weightier matters of the law. What about mercy and justice? Because they were saying about some of the people were getting caught in razor wire, Bob Warren, a woman and her child died. This is through our barbarity because we've went against what the federal government says. You have to take that down. That's not legal what you're doing. But we break the federal law. We break a federal law to enforce a state law. Aren't we lawbreakers ourselves? A lot of people in the legislature and a lot of people have been writing into the paper about 
how many laws our governor is breaking to bring about law and order in crime. Well, you want to bring law and order in crime about by your opinion or by your viewpoint. You're using a radical law of God or something to establish these things. And you, in turn, that's why in Romans and Paul chastised when they say, you that uh, say this about the law, do you break the law yourself? Are you a a lawbreaker? See, because the party that advocate being hard on, on criminals and all these things are the major one that's breaking the laws and suspending the Constitution and want to bear arms and everything. Well, why push so hard for the bearing of arms? Because murder is a crime. Yes. To kill is a crime, whether it's in war or any time else. You say that's justified killing. That's, that's you preaching that from your viewpoint, but God says do not kill because he also say so say before you go to war, offer a diplomatic solution. Mm. Yes. So uh, God says he'll cut them off. He does not even say at this point he would kill their enemy. God promises to fight for them supernaturally so that they would not need to fight to share the enemy's blood. But there was a condition. The condition was that they obey him. And that's what God's looking for us is for obedience. We have to put on Christ, the righteousness of Christ. Just like he put on the armor of God, we put on the armor of God. But we're not wrestling against carnal. Our enemies are not carnal. And this is a spiritual battle that we're in. So we in spiritual warfare, so our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Forty years and a multitude of negative experiences later, in Numbers 33, 50, and 53, and verse 55, describes an entirely different position, different picture of Israel's conquest of the land. This is what happened. It says, Then the Lord spake to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Say to the children of Israel, When you crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then I said you should drive out all of the inhabitants of the land before you and destroy all their sculptured images and destroy all their cast idols and completely eliminate all of their idolatrous high places. And you shall take possession of the land and live in it. For I have given the land to you for possession. Listen at verse 55 where it says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those you let remain of them will become pricks in your eyes and like thorns in your side, and they will attack you in the land in which you live. Because of their disobedience, now Israel had to do the driving out. God says, you didn't do what I told you to do. Now you have to do it yourselves, Mm. that I'm not with you in the way that I said I was going to be with you. And now the enemy was coming in. You had allowed idolatry to enter in. The church these days, Satan has entered into the church. His ministers has been converted into ministers of light. Yes. We see where now they're preaching recompense. They're preaching taking it back by arms. I hadn't seen so many Christians in my lifetime talking about arms and Bibles. I mean, the Second Amendment and 
taking this back by force. That's not what Jesus Christ taught. That's another Jesus being taught, one that stirs up vindictiveness in you. You see, that's why I say a vindictive attitude and a position in us in everything we do. You're worried about how much food stamps or whatever they're getting. You're worried about where they live, where they work, the jobs that they're taking. Well, they're not taking your jobs if the people that the employers are employing them. Someone's facilitating giving it to them. And we have to see that God's in power here. Mm. That God has to be allowing these things to happen. Maybe it's something you're doing, the reason this has happened to you. And God warned you, if you wasn't fully obedient to him, that these things would happen to you. That's what's happening to the people today. Romans 12, 17 through 19, recompense to man, no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Paul's repeating this, but this is Jesus' language. You remember Jesus told us about this in Matthew. He says, but rather give place unto wrath. Jesus told us about escalating a matter, turning the other cheek and loving your enemies and those that despitefully use you, he talked about in the Beatitudes. This is what Jesus Christ taught. But you know what the church's problem is? They don't believe in conversion anymore, in supernatural conversion Everybody say there's a Christian, but they lack the power thereof. In other words, the spirit. You have to have supernatural power to love your enemies. Yes. Because loving your enemies constitute the very thing that you contradicting and saying, well, they getting food stamps and they getting all this and the government giving them this. Well, isn't that what Jesus told you to do? Maybe your legislatures and your lawmakers have something wrong with the way the laws are written or executed or something else is wrong. But he told us to feed our enemy, but that's the number one thing. And if we would follow the EBT programs and all of those things, it's only 2% of the budget, whereas what contains 53% of the American, the United States budget is the military. You said let's send Israel another $63 billion. And that's money that the armor, the, the people that, the warmongers, in other words, that, that own all of these companies that manufacture the military goods, they're the ones getting rich and let's send this to Ukraine or whatever. Money that's shot in the air and used for murders. They saw over 15,000 Palestinians have, has died since they went to war for the 1,400 Jewish people that were were affronted on October 7 or September 7, whenever it was. But you've killed over 15,000 in a barbaric way and, and totally annihilated their country to now you and the allies, those in the United Nations that you were in a covenant with, it's falling apart. It says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place on the wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
Verse 9, nine in the Amplified, it reads, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath, that is, his judicial righteousness. For it is written in Scripture, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. But we're taking God's job. We're using in the place of God with unjust justice. And that's what he was talking about. You say that you are gods or you are judges, but what happens when the judges do wrong? What, don't God have, that's the reason God judges nations is that the leaders and the, the people represent the nation and they elect their representatives and things. But no wonder so many House of Representatives and Senators are resigning today because it's an unconscionable edge yeah. that they've allowed some extremists to drive them to point that it's unconscionable of what they're doing and it's beginning to sear their conscience. You, you're dealing with some avengers of blood. You know, the avenger of blood has to be a special person that wants to kill. We may get to that in a minute. Uh, hopefully, I'm going so tedious here. The Living Version says in verse 18, Don't quarrel with anyone. Be at peace with everyone just as much as possible. How many times you say, well, okay, it doesn't matter whether you're right or I'm right. I don't want to argue with you over that. They say, we're not arguing, we're just discussing. (laughs) Yeah, but it's turning to an argument. You're not... We're not getting through to one another. Or it don't seem that we will come to a pass. And how many times did you talk with somebody and they see things your way? It's better to sometimes go apart. And then if that person is conscionable, he'll think about it. He may come back and say, I was wrong. I, uh, this, But we're talking with people here where their leaders say it's a weakness to say you're sorry or to apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you had a problem. That's what me and the guy at the, the wash tier was saying, yeah. people can't say I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. Yeah. I said, I've been married 42 years. It's hard to be married that long or to be in fellowship in a church or a place that long and to not sometime have to say you're sorry when you've done something or something has caused you to say something that you shouldn't have said or you hadn't thought out or whatever. But that's, you know, some people are vindictive or bitter or something. They don't accept your apology or whatever. And they still treat you as though you did, even though you says, I'm sorry, or let's move on past that. They still has that in, in their consciousness. How many times have husband or wife have had to go through injustices? In other words, they've been blamed for something they didn't do. Or some accusation of something has happened, and they knowing they're right, but they go and pray to God. That's what we have God for is to pray to Him. One day we know that He'll vindicate us. Vindication is He righting that wrong. That's what vindication is. That's why He says, Vengeance is mine. So vengeance may that's God's judgment. It may be that, that He take that individual's life. You remember Nabal, he went and got on Abigail about David or whatever, talked to, and he, he caused Nabal to have a heart attack. Yes. Nabal died. Sometimes it's a many a spouse been done wrong by the other spouse. You know, I don't know. That's why a lot of us in our old age, we see the reciprocity of it. That it, that spouse having to take care of the other spouse, 
or that spouse dies before the other spouse because you were trying to insure me and all this, but sometimes it ain't the leaning tree to go first. You you know, it's a lot of people insure the other one, hoping they leave before they do, and the other one, leave, you leave before they do. Yes. It's a lot of reciprocity that God has to do. That, that can't be on your mind. You have to be as innocent as a lamb. You have to be wise and smart as serpent, but harmless as a dove. You can't lay traps and snares. You can't lay there and plan and think of all those things because laying there planning and thinking about that's that's vindictiveness. That's sign of a corrupt mind. That's you lay and wait. You planning on these things. That's the thoughts of man that's wicked and evil. That's not a thought of forgiveness. That's not what Jesus Christ. Resentment and incivility in which we take our revenge with a blast of insults are not an option for us either, even when it may seem justified. So we'll know where we're getting because sometimes we pop out and curse someone out. How many times have you accidentally something came out? That's because what's in you will come out. You squeeze a lemon hard enough, if it's juice in it, it has to come out. Yes. But if it's not in you, it won't. That's what God's word does. It purges us and it washes us. Because that which comes out of a man is what defiles him, not what goes into him. Amen. There are some people use reprehensible language. They do different dresses. Well, that was in you automatically or that's been in you, you dress to go out and date someone or to capture someone saying that you're taking vengeance on your husband, you paying him back or you paying your wife back or whatever. No, you just as wicked as that individual or that was in you. Anyhow, you wouldn't lower yourself to his level if that wasn't who you were. We have to place those things in God's hand. We can't lower ourselves to it. That's why it says, running not evil for evil. Paul expects us to bring our relationship with others into the scope of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why everything has to be done as it's in his presence. And we have to love our enemies just like we love God because we can't love God and hate our brothers. That relationship, if he have created man in his image and his likeness, how can we destroy the image of God? That's why he says, whoever kill man, uh, spill man's blood, man shall spill his blood. In verse 14, Paul says, bless those who persecute you and bless those who curse you. Now, hold on. Here's an apostle that's saying the same thing that Jesus said in his Beatitudes. Now, where's the contradiction at? Well, you, the, the people nowadays, the Christian nationalists, if they eye for a tooth, a tooth for a tooth, and I know my rights, and I'm, I'm going to exercise my Second Amendment right. You're always talking about your Second Amendment rights, but you want to do away with the Constitution. Yes. I wouldn't want to kill anyone. I wouldn't want to be an execution. I wouldn't want to be the avenger of blood. But we see here, where Paul says, bless, right? right? But didn't Jesus say, you have heard it said that I for I, two for his two, but he says, I say, who's saying that? Jesus, right? right. 
if Jesus says something, that's who we believe in following. You could go in that Bible as far as you can in that Old Testament, but that was the reason that he did away with, and he says the law was weak through the flesh. I'm going to make a much better covenant. Now, if you look at a woman in lust after you've already committed adultery, the law says who, who he who committed adultery with a woman, a man, shall die. Yes. Well, I say if you look at so it's a much more enhanced thing, but it's a better covenant. And he says, I say unto you, if your enemy hunger, you should feed him. You should pray for those that despitefully use you. Now, we know what's in Proverbs. We know what's in the, in the commandments. But didn't Jesus say, no new commandment I give to you, but I'm the embodiment of the law. In other words, this is the image you should be in. Remember I tell you that word likeness was physical, but man in his physical form fell into depravity because of obedience. But the image of God, if we're going to be stamped and made in his image, you're going to be harmless as a dove. You're not going to hurt anybody. That's why on the cross, Peter says, when reviled, he reviled not again. We're striving to be like Christ. Nobody else. He was our example. He came. We don't see where he did any of these things that's way over here. That's the image. That, that's what we're looking for. That's where the eternal life. We should put on Christ. That's part of our army. It says put on him. Pull off the old man who we were, our thoughts and ways, because there's no ways like God. If we take vengeance, we encroach upon the prerogative of God, seizing power that does not belong to us. I always tell you about one of my sons say, no, Dad, I'm going to have to take care of Sherman because you just go talk to him. And I'm saying, okay, I'm the father here. Maybe talking is the correct thing in this instance. I whooped and beat all one of my sons the other day. I was taking him somewhere with him. He's talking to Dad. You know, I never would think I would say this, but I sure do bless the day that you used to whip us and everything because he sees some of his relatives and other people. He said, you know, children messed up the day. And, you know, the yeah. two children that killed the baby the other day. We're in a situation and they're trying to make laws now where it's a 14-year-old commit a crime or kill someone that they have to be able to treat him as an adult. But doesn't this go back, the laws and things that we're making, maybe the severity in which you wasn't chastised, maybe the changing of God's law instead of put him in time out, it should have been corporal punishment, he says, beat him with a rod, he shouldn't, he wouldn't die. Right. You see, but certain times and certain things don't work for a certain group of people because if they are animal, uh, animal, animalistic concerns anyhow, if they are goats, you can't change them into the sheep. That's yeah. their consciousness. That's who they are. So there are certain people designed from a, for the cr- criminal system because we're talking to two groups of people here. Yes, yes. The seed of the woman and the seed of the man. We're talking about Satan's seed and we're talking about God's seed. And he said, let the wheat and tear grow up together. So yes. it's hard to distinguish among them. Yes. By intruding, we get in the way of what he has claimed as his responsibility. That's God's responsibility. 
Parents have a responsibility. All of us in authority have responsibilities, and when someone encroach upon that a responsibility of authority, they are the transgressors. Yes. Man is incapable of taking vengeance with proper wisdom, justice, and love because it's not in man. God has to do this. That's why God says vengeance is his because Sometimes there's different degrees of punishment. Yeah. With wisdom and understanding, God knows to just punish. That's why he said he'll choose the punishment and the delusions. Paul instructs us by faith not to take the prerogative of revenge on ourselves, but to allow God to execute judgment. Yeah. These remarkably high standards are possible only because of our strength in God. Amen. Power belongs to God. And that's why he says, don't depart from Galilee till you be endued with power from up on high. Yes. And if you don't have God's Holy Spirit, it's impossible to love others. Yes. Things that's impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. And if Christ is in us, it's he that doeth the work. We're dead to self. We're buried with Christ. It's Christ who liveth in me, and through Jesus Christ I can do all things. That's why he given us eternal life, but it's our belief, our continual belief, our continuing in his word, having faith in looking unto Jesus. That's the only way we can bear up under punishment. That's the only way Samson was able to carry those gates away, away the city gates, because he was an unassuming look individual. I'm sure he wasn't a muscular man and looked at something uh, like some of the other people. I remember my wife was saying something about Victor Mature was playing Samson and she was saying it was a bad looking Samson. But I don't think Samson was looked at like Arnold Schwarzenegger or nobody like that. Uh, they wouldn't have been saying, way in does your power lie? Just like to say Jesus was without form of comeliness and nobody would desire him. See, we're looking through the carnal or the fleshly eye. If someone's charismatic, in other words, if he talks nice, he dresses nice, a head full of hair, and, and that's what Jesus says. If you look for one that wears silk and all these nice things, they're in palaces. But John wore camera's hair and was girded about and ate uh, locusts and wild honey or whatever. You're not looking for someone that's, and that's what, that's what we advertise. That's what we buy. Those are our leaders. Now, that's why I say We've changed. Satan ministers, they're driving the best of cars and planes and have the best of homes and everything. Uh, uh, He works unseen to human eyes and make living according to these standards possible. That's why God's people have learned to be content with such that they have. They're happy with their spouses they're not looking for a new spouse. They're not looking to divorce the old spouse. They, they sometimes, they even die a few months or years after the spouse died because of loneliness. You didn't heard of that, you know, a lot of times after the spouse died, the other one died. Because they fulfill one another, they were <coughs> mates. Deuteronomy 32, 35 through 37 is the source of Paul's instructions. God demands this apparently passive requirement of us as an act of faith in our intensely close relationship with him. 
Remember I told you we have to relate with man as we relate with God and to have a relationship with God. We have to trust that as a Jesus Christ as a man and he walked the road, that he's going to do what he said. He's, we have faith that this is going to be accomplished. Yes. It may seem as if a Christian who submits to God's instructions is spineless and easily intimidated, but in God's judgment, he is strong where it really matters, and that is in faith. But nowadays, our pride stops us from humbling ourselves. Mm. Our pride stops us from taking something off somebody else, from being embarrassed, from doing yes. something that's so lowly, from taking something off somebody. Yes. Yes. The Christian, like Christ, has committed himself to the one who judges righteously, who will act in due time using his powers and love toward our concerns. While being reviled and insulted, he did not revile and insult in return. While suffering, he made no threats of vengeance, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges fairly. He committed his soul unto God. When a person's in a situation like this, usually his natural power, uh, what's nature, his second nature is to defend himself, to retaliate. He invariably does more damage than good. That's why you have to learn to be docile because Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what you do. Yeah. He didn't say, you wait till I come down off this Christ cross. You wait till I get you in judgment. Mm. He didn't threaten them. Mm -mm. He just took it all on the shoulders. Sometimes we have to take it on the shoulders. Mm. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand that about turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek is meaning not escalate the matter any further or any higher. That's what turning the other cheek means metaphorically. In other words, don't escalate. A lot of them escalate. They, somebody doing something the first day, and they go do is turn and get a gun. Mm, yeah. They go change the situation and run over people with cars and do things that cause them to lose their job and, and do all kinds of wicked and malicious things. Because our God is all-powerful, we must grow to trust him, knowing, as I said, that he sits high and he looks low. He sees our rising up and coming up. You know, with the advent of cameras and everything, my daughter was sitting down with her phone here or whatever, and my granddaughter was walking along in the house, and she's, the camera was on, and it showed my little grandson tripping her when she walked by. And since she accidentally got that on video or whatever, now anything goes on, she say, now I got it on video, I got it on tape. They go ahead and admit to it because that's how God is. God's angels, God's recording everything. Nothing is hidden to the eyes of God. So he knows whether it's a retaliation. Whether it's a retaliation. My mother you know, she had a perfect idea that she told him not to touch the television. Well, my son touched the television and got it off the channel or something, but my daughter was trying to save him, and she put it back in, but my mama came in while she was touching it. Yeah. And she hollered at her. She said, well, I was just putting it back. He had but didn't I tell y'all not to touch it? Well, her error was, trying to correct his error or save him because she was caught doing it. Yeah. I told you not to touch it. Whether he touched it and didn't break or whatever happened, you should just leave it alone. 
I told you not to touch it. Isn't that right? Just because Eve ate of the fruit, Adam wasn't deceived. He knowingly transgressed God. They say, Eve, you ate of the fruit. I tell you what God has said, so God has straightened this out when he come back. I'm not eating of it. What would have happened then? When, uh, where am I at here? But back. So this measure of faith enabled Abraham to grow to the point where he staggered not at the promises of God that when God says go kill Isaac, instead of coming up with a lame excuse like he did with Sarah and lying Abimelech and Pharaoh to sleep, he just went and got Isaac and took him out there and was about to kill him because the ball's in God's court. If I kill him, God's going to have to raise him up. I just have to trust God and believe God because he said this is the promised heir, this is the promised seed. I believe God that this is the promised heir and the promised seed. I'm going to kill him and see what God does from there because the ball's in God. What did Jesus, I mean, Jesus' mother tell the people at the wedding feast? She had learned this. She says, whatever he said, do, do it. If God tells us to do something, you do what God tells you to do. Romans 12 and 20 says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. So it's something in doing what Jesus says by feeding your enemy and praying for him. He says, that's heaping coals of fire upon his head. Uh he insists that we must never allow vindictiveness, the desire to get even with someone for a suffered wrong, to drive us. We can't be driven by vindictiveness. And I think I'm going to have to end there. In the same vein, Peter taught that we must not repay evil with evil, insult with insult, but we must bless. Why are we called to react this way? Because if we want to be in God's kingdom, it can only happen when the spirit of murder dwelling in us and those retaliations of God's spirit, I mean retaliations of murder, are not in our spirit because no sins will be allowed into the kingdom of God. And until we sanctify by God's word, until it's purged out of us, we're not going to be in heaven and then one day somebody up and murder someone. Mm. It's no sin going to be in there. Nothing that can contaminate heaven. And we know that God is going to make a righteous heaven for us. We are not to take vengeance because God had retained that. Uh, now, I said in Romans 12, to begin that chapter, he says, which states we are to present our body as a living sacrifice. We have to present our body as a living sacrifice, and that's what Jesus did. He refusing to strike back, he died on the cross for us. He gave himself as a living sacrifice. We have to present our bodies unto him. We must die. We must present ourselves as a soul. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God to achieve his purposes and not be vindictive. Heavenly Father.